and trains, and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectrum. What we were trying to say, you got to walk home. Walk home. Walk home. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wadesword. Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I'm Devin Wade and this is episode 35. want to thank you so much for joining us. Have an exciting edition for you this time out. We're going to be joined by NFL retired NFL linebacker and friend of the show, Eddie Robinson. We're going to talk some NFL and his thoughts on Colin Kaepernick and other issues in and around the game of football. In addition to that, we will have MK Bauer from the Sports Exchange, and he will talk some baseball and get us geared up for postseason baseball. In addition to that, we will have Wifey, Side Piece, or Crazy X, that segment, and we'll do some headlines, and we'll have the This or That segment. want to remind you guys, before we get started, you can reach out and touch me on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and, of course, on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. And you can also follow me on Instagram, Sports Talk with D. Wade, where Kalina and company will make some posts from time to time. And, again, want to thank you guys for tuning in. And without further ado, let's get into headlines. Well, it was an upset weekend in the NFL as the Cowboys, Patriots, and Falcons lost at home as home favorites. If that wasn't surprising enough, the Eagles, Panthers, and Rams, who all missed the playoffs in 2016, are tied for the best record in the NFC at 3-1 on the season. On the opposite end of the spectrum, two teams that dominated last season, the New England Patriots and Dallas Cowboys, have both been mediocre thus far as they both sit at 500 on the season at 2-2 through four games. On the major league side of things, the MLB season wrapped up Sunday, and what a season it was with the playoffs upon us. Here's a reminder of league leaders in the 2017 season. In the American League, the Astros' Jose Altuve had the top batting average at 346 for the season. His National League counterpart was Colorado Rockies' Charlie Blackman, who hit 331 on the season. Moving on to the guys who carry the big sticks, probable rookie of the year and MVP candidate Aaron Judge led the AL and all rookies ever with 52 home runs and on the nl side what can you say about miami marlin slugger Giancarlo stanton stanton led the national league in the entire majors in home runs and rbis with 59 and 132 respectively on the mound Corey kluber and clayton kershaw outpaced the competition in their leagues for the 2017 season Kluber led the American League with wins and ERA with 18 wins on the season and an ERA of 2.25. And three-time Cy Young Award winner Clayton Kershaw again proved why he's one of the best pitchers of this era, leading the National League in wins and ERA with, again, 18 wins and an ERA of 2.31. Coming up later, we'll talk Major League Playoffs with M.K. Bauer of the Sports Exchange. Right now, I want to bring in our guy, Eddie Robinson. Good afternoon, Eddie. It's been a while since you've been here, Eddie. Talk a little bit about your thoughts on the NFL season to this point. 
Well, I think right now no team has really just jumped up and said, hey, we are the, the best team out there. Maybe you can say Kansas City, but everybody else has had like big wins and big losses. So I think it's good. I think we're going to come down to that November, December, Thanksgiving, Christmas. And I think everybody's going to still have a chance to be in it, except for who? maybe the Jets, the Chargers, who are actually out of it right now. But I think it's good. I like the competition. Uh, you know, even my Saints started off 0-2. Next thing you know, they win the next two games. Surprise me, too. So It's a tumultuous season so far. It's up and down. It's sort of riddled with inconsistencies all over the place. And you get can't quite figure certain teams out. One of those teams, the Washington Redskins, you know, you think, oh, here's another edition of the Redskins, but then they go and dominate the Oakland Raiders on at home a week ago. Then last night they lose to Kansas City in a very competitive game, and, boy, they must have lost 20 guys to injury last night. But, again, they look like a really good football team. And, conversely, the Dallas Cowboys, who you thought would run away with this division, many people thought so, have sort of taken a step back and they've struggled and they're at two and two on the season. So we're going to get into some of those other issues. Now, I also want to ask you, because you've been very controversial. Hey, about, whoa, whoa, whoa. How, how am I controversial? Well, Man, I'm, I mean, I'm just a baseball coach, you know, take care of my kids, stay out of trouble. And that's what's so surprising about the <laughs> level of controversy you created. So you came on before and said, look, if you were in the league, you would have not taken a knee. You wouldn't boycott. You wouldn't do any of those things. And a lot of people bristled at that a little bit. And I mean, people, again, they they want you to represent their emotions on this issue with Colin Kaepernick. And uh, a lot of people are really frustrated and a lot of people are sticking to their guns and boycotting. Well, then the president gets involved. Donald Trump gets involved and, and really turns it into a Trump versus the NFL what was your whole take on that whole fiasco and how all of those things went? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the the political statement of the president is not acting presidential. I think that's it. You can't call a whole group of, you know, working players, employees, basically, and, and call them SOBs and tell them they should be fired. So, I mean, that part, everybody can can pretty much say with, who has common sense can say that was inappropriate. So, I, But I think the, the sad part of this is that we kind of getting away from the police brutality and the mistreatment of, you know, mostly young black African-Americans in police stops. And that's what the issue was originally about. And so I kind of hated that. Now it's more the NFL versus Donald Trump. And so now you have mainstream America. Remember a couple of months ago we were saying, oh, we should boycott the NFL. We're not going to watch any games. And now you have mainstream America saying we're boycotting the NFL because the players aren't standing up. So now it's like yeah, I, the, the NFL is hard to feel sorry for 32 billionaires. But now you're looking at the NFL and they're just they're just like, can y'all just leave us out of all of this? I'm sure that's what they're thinking. Like, well, we know, don't want to be in this at all. <laughs> Mike Tomlin said as much. He said, you know, you get dragged into a lot of jewels. A lot of it. Yeah. Being in the NFL and we're not going to partake in it and it, and by not partaking in it they still thrust themselves into it and it looks like you know and obviously Trump is just trying to divert attention from all of his miscues he right. knew that Friday that he was going to have a rough week the next week when he went to Alabama so he played the race card Correct. and that's exactly right. what he did he played the race card and you know, the NFL players you have to take debate kind of so to speak and and this thing has really kind of ruined this nfl season in a lot of ways add to that the games have been uh you hadn't you know you just don't have those icons you, yeah of course you have brady and roethlisberger's never been a, a iconic i mean people like him but i guess aaron Rodgers is that guy but no peyton manning and 
guys are getting older and well and it's getting it's getting to that point you know kind of when the Dan Marinos were retiring the the Troy Aikmans the Steve Youngs and then you had the young Peyton Mannings and those type of guys who would take their place so I mean it's just a natural progression you have a, a changing of the guards I think the NFL is right at that point where you're going through a major the older, yeah the, the older guys surefire Hall of Famers been around 15 years are starting to shut it down but you got the the Prescotts and the young guys I mean it's, it's always going to be a new group of it dynamic young players who are going to stand up and make great plays well you know and it seems like the league is under siege but I, you know how would you have handled being a player and i know it's easy for you to have a different it's hard for you to have the same opinion that you would have had as a player a lot younger you, you know you're older you have much many more experiences you kind of have a different perspective being outside of the game but how do you think you would have responded after Trump called the entire NFL sons of bitches? Well, I think at that point you have to you have to stay with the team because if if the team would have came up and made a decision to say, hey, this is what we're going to do as a team, then being a team player, I would have absolutely went with that decision. So the, the the sad part about it is the protest was more about the president and not about the original issue. Well, so it, it was yeah, pretty, it's, it's pretty it, easy to say, yeah, and, I'm going to take a knee because well, I didn't like what Trump said. That but, was, that's that's easy. Said, yeah, you know? but, but what it was, and I think people kind of lose focus on this, they protested to unite with their other brethren in the NFL that have taken knees. So... They, you know, the the statement wasn't just about Trump, but it was to show Trump and other others of his ilk, uh, of other people like him, mm-hmm. that hey, you know, I want to support the guys for taking a stand. So, and then it turned into this whole other thing. Well, I was, you know, I was talking to my son, and, it, and it's almost like, are we just going to remove the national anthem from sporting events? I, we should. Can, can we, we should. just just take it out and get right to the game? We should because. You know, they won't you, now. If, well, but sure if you look, if now. you look at some of the old films back in, you know, Yankee Stadium baseball, guys were sitting down smoking a cigarette during the national anthem. It wasn't the patriotic symbol of standing up. What people don't realize is that you're supposed to salute the flag at the pledge of allegiance, which, of course, I starts off. I pledge of allegiance to the flag and your hand is over your heart. That's not what you're supposed to do during the national anthem. So it's totally different. So if they want to say the pledge of allegiance. That's when you actually pledge allegiance to the flag, United States of America, to the Republic, which is there, et cetera, et cetera. So the whole national anthem kind of took off back when you had the Gulf War. And, of course, Whitney Houston sung the right. national anthem down in Tampa. And then after and 9-11. From there was, you know, but 9-11 it, has added the Gulf correct. America to baseball. So, everybody, so that's a new thing. So right everybody now. stands up now. And, and of course, you. but I think what, what is kind of getting lost and what – and where some people kind of misunderstood what Kaepernick was doing, they thought that he was protesting the nine one one guys, you know, the, the the first responders but, you know, he, in the they military. Know, they knew. And Look, I and, and I said and that was smoking mirrors also he, no, because no, right those people knew that and, and he wasn't and protesting that. Those right. who initially heard it, but they they blew the, the the dog whistle of racism right to to make it about something else because he clearly, if you were paying attention at all. He clearly stated what what was going on and his opinion on why he did it. And so he did say, hey, I respect the military. I mean, first responders weren't even in the mix. But, I mean, it was all about the military. It, it's, you know, it's bananas. And Trump has done a tremendous job no, but of I, but dividing I'm gonna, us. But I'm going to tell you one thing is this. And and I'm and this is like, I'm going to quote like Rush Limbaugh. So you're going to be like, why is Eddie talking about Whoa. Rush Limbaugh? So that's, and so, <laughs> and, and I listen, you got to listen to everybody to kind of hear what all the viewpoints are. 
And so his viewpoint was, and I forgot what the issue was. And he was like, I'm a football fan, and what I want to do is I want to turn on Sunday morning. I want to escape from all of the politics in Washington, D.C., and the rhetoric of my show and everybody else's show, Fox News, CNN. I don't want to hear all of that. On Even Sunday, though he started no, his listen, own brand of listen, controversy when correct. he was on ESPN. I got you. But what his thoughts are is, and I'm just telling you, I was just listening to his show one day. I was just driving, flipping channels, and I, he was talking football, so I started listening. So his thing was, on Sunday morning, he wants to click on the, the, the TV. He wants to hear Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long and all those guys telling him who's going to win this weekend and why. Then he wants to see a big game, big hits. Man, my team won. Escape from all of the other stuff. And that's what sports kind of used to be. But now it's to the situation where sportscasters, Shannon Sharp, all those guys, and, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't or they should, but the sports guys and the guys that are reporting the sports have as many comments as the guys reporting the news. And then the people that's reporting the news have as many comments as the people reporting the sports. So now it's like if I'm just the regular guy who wants to drink a beer and sit on the sofa in my underwear and, and my Cowboys plastic helmet on and cheer hard, where, where, where's my escape from my 9 oh, to 5 yeah. during the week? You turn it on during the game. You just wait. The game. <laughs> yeah, you just wait until 12.05. And you might miss opening kickoff. But at 12.05, everybody's going to be taking the knee. And no, then it's gonna, no, Then it's going to be what? No, half the people are taking the knee. Yeah. Half the people not taking the knee. Then they're going to flip that story. Then, then, the, then at halftime, they're going to have a story back on what happened, you know, off the field. And the president's going to be – I don't want all of that. Okay. I just want I, football. I, so I'm going to go to a high it. school game. That's what I'm going to do. Right, the kids going to stand up. They're going to play a good, hard game. The well, band going to play. We're going to go home. <laughs> but, but you don't – no, here's the deal about that. But you understand my point. Everything's getting like all – but but one thing I can't say, you can't tell the players because, you know, we were real critical of Michael Jordan and those guys to say that they weren't standing up. I was for political. They're not standing Tiger up for Woods. political issues. So now that the players are standing up for political issues, the political guys are saying, just go out and play. So it's like, well, hold up. As a player, but, but, I'm like, so what you want are, us to do? You but know? those are two different groups. Right. You have people suffering in these communities, and you have a platform as a pro athlete. Correct. You are an icon. You are looked up to. I mean, I'm sure what you went to Alabama State. Everybody knows people you never met and never will meet were proud of you because you came from Alabama State. And they would like to see the struggles in their lives represented and fought for by you guys. Correct. Whether it's through with checks or, or finances or by making yeah, a stand. speeches, speeches to kids, going visit right. elementary schools, talking to little leagues. You have a lot of and different ways to. Where is that responsibility? Right. Lie? I'm asking mm-hmm. you, where does that responsibility? Oh, lie? I'm I'm not like a Charles Barkley. I feel like you have a responsibility to be a role model. Once you take that check, but isn't Kaepernick being a role model? I think he is because he's he's representing the disenfranchised, the people who are left behind, the people who don't have a voice for themselves. It's like over 500 people that have been killed by police arrests or brutality. However you want to look at it, what confrontations where police have killed people and no police ever get arrested or go to jail now i'm not saying that maybe 399 of them were lawful where the police had a right you know you know they didn't go with excessive force but you can't tell me not one or two were an example of excessive force or something else could have been done like what happened to the tasers you know so it's like at some point you have to retrain police to say hey this is how we respond to these type of situations. Okay, and so where are you, the body cameras and all that type of stuff? So the, the part that Kaepernick is saying, he's speaking out for those people that are being, being you know, 
taken advantage of and nobody's having a voice for him. So you got to respect that about the guy. Well, I want to ask you about Kaepernick, and we can go on and on about that, but now Brandon Whedon was signed yeah, the, 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 in, the injuries are starting to mount up. I mean, and, and now the Oakland Raiders and Derek Carr, uh, that, that, an injury there. So now you're looking at a situation where, hey. What is it going to take? Because because now the owners are in a very precarious situation because now you've stood up against Trump. Trump has clearly showed his hand, which is, you know, the right wing, et cetera, et cetera. So now everybody is going to say, all right, so if you're against Trump, you solidarity with us and you with this whole movement, then at what point do you sign the person who represents that movement who is talented enough to play in the NFL? I think the when, NFL, when is that going to happen? I think the smart move by the NFL is to sign or is to for the league to encourage the Raiders or somebody. To One sign. team, and the Raiders is the team that they can sign anybody, right? Just because right. of the so, history of the Raiders. If you want to be the team in the, the Bay right. Area, correct? The Bay Area, yeah. The Bay and, Area will be right. very sympathetic to it. You won't have protests or anything like that. They will be about time. Let's go win some games. Well, I want to get to a. Uh, it's time to switch gears and go to a segment we call Wifey. Side piece or crazy ex. Three players, three sports teams, three sports entities. And you tell me which one you're going to wife up, which one is the side piece, or which one is the crazy ex. For the first one, there are three three and one teams. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs are the only undefeated team in the entire NFL. But of these three three and one teams, which one would you wife up? Which one would be your side piece? And which one is your crazy ex? The Buffalo Bills, the Denver Broncos, or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Which one is your wifey? Uh, that's a tough one. You always put me in these bad situations. I have to go <laughs> with the Pittsburgh Steelers just because they, they're they explosive on offense. I mean, their defense is not the steel curtain but anymore. But been playing so well But, but they have the talent. It's just a matter of time. Those guys are professionals. When you go down the stretch, they're going to be there. No big-time teams in their division. So, they I mean, they're almost a shoe-in to make the playoffs, probably win the division, possibly get home field. So, definitely, that's the wifey. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's wifey. And who is your side piece, Buffalo or the Denver Broncos? I like the Denver Broncos. I mean, playing at, at, at Mile High, maybe they have a new name for it, I don't know, but it's still Mile High to me. It's a tough place to play. And, and the Broncos, to me, they have defense. And when you have difference makers on defense – you have a chance for that offense to come along, and they still have the same talented guys. The roster is still good on offense, so I don't think they're going to put up a, a whole bunch of points on a consistent basis, but defense travels. I think Denver, they're, they're almost like like a, a wifey, like 1A. They're, like, they're not really? like a true – yeah, because I, I think Denver can do some things. The, the, of course, their problem is they're in the division with Kansas City, so the and chances – And Oakland. Yeah, Oakland is kind of – the injury bug may get Oakland, and so we don't know. But, but they I, were struggling. I mean, obviously the big loss on the road right. uh, on Monday Night Football. Uh, people thought that they would just go in into the into Washington and just dominate the team, and they they clearly just didn't. Right. Now you have uh, Crabtree a little banged up. He didn't play yesterday. In addition to that, now Derek Carr is out. You have Amari Cooper and Crabtree when he's playing. They drop the football all the time. So I, I think they have a tough road, and that's why it's, it's difficult for me to go side piece. With Denver, when you can think about Buffalo, and I'm still actually going to go with Denver. Buffalo hasn't side. made the playoffs since 1999, okay. and, and, I and they lost in the Music City Miracle. That's when <laughs> I was still playing. So here, That's a long time ago. So <laughs> here is where I'm coming from with that, though. Okay. So New England has the worst defense in the NFL. Right. They're, they give up 32 points a game. All right. All right. And in addition to that, Miami's horrible. The Jets are horrible. Could this team sneak up and have a – 
a big time performance and, and and maybe win that division. I don't think they will, but that division is trash. Right. And, and you forget about the name New England. Look at the players and the player personnel. If you took the Patriots and put them in Saints uniforms, people be like, "Oh, they ain't, they ain't hey, going whoa, anywhere." Whoa, whoa, let's not oh, talk about Saints. Yeah, let's all up. Pick another team. So, <laughs> now, so if I, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, this the Patriots. How good were they really last year? I mean, were they exactly, really were they really the, the were time. they really the best team in the NFL? And we all know, and the beauty of the NFL is that the best team doesn't always win because it's one game. Yes. it's a 60 minute ball game. When you when you playing the best of seven or the best of five, usually the best team is going to figure out a way to beat you enough, even if they have a bad one. But when it's one game, I only have to be better than you for really the fourth quarter, which is what the Patriots did. Right. <laughs> and they're Super Bowl champs. So. And they got a lot of help. So I, I will agree with you on all three of those. So Pittsburgh is the wifey. Denver is the side piece. Although you can make Strong a, side piece. And you Strong can make side a case piece. for Buffalo for me. And your crazy eggs are the Buffalo Bills, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But so let's, <laughs> let's flip to the NFC. So there's five three-and-one teams there. But of these three three-and-one teams, who's wifey? Who's side piece? Who's the crazy ex? Philadelphia Eagles, the Carolina Panthers, and the Los Angeles Rams. Man, that's, Which that's, one? Who, that's who, a tough Who are you wifing up? Well, I'm definitely not going with Carolina. And Philly, I, I just can't really warm up to. So I would probably say the Rams, as crazy as it sounds. And, and part of it is because I don't see a dominant team in that division. Phoenix is kind of up and down Arizona you did it last time Arizona yeah Arizona Phoenix <laughs> they're, they're in Phoenix I'm, I'm you know but you know what I mean Arizona's kind of up and down of course San Francisco is just they just there they, they're hanging on to the to the catch deal so I mean to me that gives the Rams a legitimate chance and the young quarterback I mean talking with Greg Williams and those guys last year where they were still with the Rams they they, they said this guy was going to be good they said he was Skinny as a toothpick, so he had to put on weight, had to be sure that he was durable. But they were saying as far as his ability to throw the ball, recognize defenses, they saw enough that he was going to be a good player. And, of course, you have Gurley who's going to be him, you know, so they have some good defensive players. I think the Rams can get it done. Okay, so that's your wife? That's my wife. My wife is going to be Carolina. Yeah, Cam, something's wrong with Cam. I don't know exactly what's wrong with Cam. But you got Cam, you got Keekly, you got McCaffrey. Um, you have you have some players, Kelvin Benjamin. You know, and again, that division is not the toughest. You have New Orleans, you have Atlanta that's stumbling. I mean Tampa I, Bay is pretty good though. Tampa Bay is okay, but I don't, you know, Jameis Winston will turn over the football. So Carolina is my wifey. Who's your side piece? Well, that's going to be a short marriage. I could, I could just about guarantee you right now, Carolina will not make the playoffs. Cam, they that have division, not, which I thought was going to be the toughest, is turning out to be. Mm. But they haven't figured out how to use Cam correctly. Still, in my opinion, like they, they just it's something. He doesn't seem like himself. Well, they, and they, they keep him in the pocket. And if I'm playing Cam as de, as a defense, I'm telling my defense keep him in the pocket. Does he <laughs> seem like himself to you? Have you watched him? Nah, he's just kind of moving slow. Like he's just something is not right. You know, he may be still so, a lingering so, injury or something. So, so who's, your, who's your side piece? Uh, I have to go with the Philadelphia, man, because I basically said that I'm Carolina is the crazy ex. They up and down wild right, card. Right, so, right. But Philadelphia would be the side piece. I mean, I don't have a real big argument for Philly, just except that they just kind of hang around and, and they, you know, they're they an okay team. I don't think they'll make the playoffs, but if somebody stumbles, say if say if Dak gets hurt or something like that where one, one person in the division just kind of falls apart, I think they'll be around there to catch up, to pick up the pieces, and maybe make the playoffs at eight and eight, no better than nine and seven, that type of deal. Well, I am going to go with 
the Eagles being my crazy ex. So just to ca- recap, your wife is, is the Los Angeles Rams. I, mine are, uh, are the Carolina Panthers. And then you have uh, the crazy ex being the Carolina Panthers. I have been the Philadelphia Eagles. And they flip-flop for who is the side piece. Finally, the rookies. Now, I've been big on the rookies. My, my predicted rookie of the year, his season came to a crashing halt. Dalvin Cook with an ACL injury. He's done for the year. But of these three, by the end of the season, not, not to this point, because by this point, I mean, to this point, it's been clear who's the dominant player. But moving forward, at the end of the year, who's your wifey, who's your side piece, who's your crazy ex? Hakeem Hunt, who has 68 carries for 502 yards and four touchdowns. Deshaun Watson, who has 891 yards passing, seven touchdowns but four interceptions. And in the last two games versus New England, he was 22 of 33 with two touchdowns, two interceptions. And versus Tennessee, 25 of 34 with four touchdowns and one interception for 283 yards. So that's where Deshaun Watson is these days. And Leonard Fournette, 81 carries on the season for 285 yards, three touchdowns, and one receiving touchdown. So those are some of the stats of these guys. Clearly, Akeem Hunt is the class so far, but by the end of the year, who are you wifing as a rookie? I'm going to have to stay with Akeem Hunt. I mean, I, I just like what he does as far as his ability to run the football and catch the football. I mean, he's going to be a big part of it because Alex Smith doesn't like to really stretch the defense. So he's not a guy that's going to target receivers a lot. He likes throwing the tight ends and running back, screen game, coming out the backfield. So he's going to have more opportunities to make plays in the open field and make big plays, where Fournette's going to have to get his between the tackles and the tough yards. And, yeah, I mean, he's strong and big, but so are the NFL guys. I don't know if Fournette can keep that up over 16 games, where I think Hunt, because he's more of a make-a-miss guy and he's tough and durable, I think he can get it done. I am going to wife Akeem Hunt as well. I think that that is the player. That's the way to go. With, I mean, he just in that offense doing what they do, the variety, what they did last night. They have other options. They can go with uh, uh, Chandrick West. They can throw to Kelsey. They can throw the, to Tariq Hill. They have – I'm saying that's my Super Bowl team, so I'm rolling with him as wifey. Didn't know he was going to be this good, and, uh, and you agree with that one. What about side piece? Who's your side piece, Deshaun Watson or Leonard Fournette? Well, the side piece has to be Watson because I think just with the durability factor with Fournette, and Watson is just going to get better every week. I mean, he's going to have some setbacks. He'll probably have that, you know, 120 yards, two interception game where he just looked bad. And the thing that you have to realize now that he's the starter and coordinators can watch one, two, and three games on him and actually game plan for him – and the things that he can do well and start defending the things that he do well. So, trying to keep him in the pocket. Right, try to keep him in the pocket. Not, know not that, necessarily go for the sack, but go for containment. Correct. Force him to throw like the ball from all, within the pocket. And then also, and also knowing that a big part of their offense is they love to run the quarterback draw with this kid. I mean, they'll, I mean and it works really good because they'll get in a – a second and six, and then drop back pass. The the running backs were running, and they just attack and block the linebackers. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's going. hard to stop. I mean, they just do that with Cardell Stewart a lot. And it, and everything looks like a pass, and you're dropping out of there, and all of a sudden the quarterback is the design. He's taking off up the middle, and he's looking for a running lane that's already predetermined. And so that's that's real hard. And he has the speed to do things on the ground and hurt you with his feet, even when you cover everybody. So, he, I mean, he he's going to be a tough guy to defend. You have a guy who can throw and run the way he does 
and you still have Hopkins. So he has some big play guys who he can who he has can, can make plays. So he's going to be tough to stop. I was excited. I posted a YouTube video from the draft here at the at NRG Stadium where the Texans were, and I was as excited about this pick as I ever been for a first round pick for the Houston Texans. But he surpassed my expectations this quickly, especially with this coaching staff. But he has done it by being able to keep plays alive. He has poise in the pocket. I think, yeah, he will have a couple clunkers. I'm not a true believer of this coaching staff, and I'm not a true believer of the offense either. Now, he got rich on uh, New England and Tennessee, uh, but the games get tougher. You had the Kansas City Chiefs this week. But I'm still going to make him my side piece, and uh, and I will go with uh, Leonard Fournette as my crazy ex because he doesn't have a lot of help. No, nah, he doesn't. Uh, I, you know, Blake Bortles, I, I, he is just, I don't know, you, he makes you want to pull your hair out, and, and they're not going to get a lot of help. Well, Blake so Bortles it, is kind of like, he's he's the new David Carr. He's, he's just good enough to make you think he's a playoff quarterback, but then he'll eight, game, eight games into the season, the end of October, you realize he's not the guy. But then next year, he finishes off December great. You'd be like, well, next year he's going to be the guy. It's like what you want is for – and he's their franchise quarterback. Either step up and be the guy or be horrible. Don't be in between because then I'm wasting years thinking you're going right. to be that guy. And honestly, you're never going to be and that really, guy. Tony so he's Romo. the ultimate crazy ex. <laughs> Tony Romo was the crazy ex in that way too. Correct. Except his upside – was a playoffs. lot more deceptive. Yeah, in the playoffs. Was a lot more deceptive. Yeah, because he'll throw 40 touchdowns and then get to the second round of the playoffs and throw five picks. So, wow, we agree on that one. Akeem Hunt, Wifey, Deshaun Watson, side piece, uh, Leonard Fournette is a crazy ex. Let's go to a segment we call This or That. The choice is yours. You can oh. get with this or you can get with that. You can oh. get with this or you can get with that. Inside of this or that, I will give you two choices. You tell me this one or that one. First and foremost, the Kansas City Chiefs or the New England Patriots. Who are you going with? And, again, I know people love the brand. That's why I bring it up. Who are you going with? I'm going with Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, I I, I just like Andy Reid, and I've always been a Chiefs fan. Even even as a kid, I kind of secretly rooted for him. And, and Andy Reid's just a – He's just a, he's one of those guys that deserves to win a Super Bowl as a head coach before he retires. He he's been doing it the right way for a number of years, a number of franchises. I mean, other than than uh, Marty Schottenheimer, this is the guy that deserves to get one before he retires. I think everybody in the NFL would be happy if Andy Reid and the Chiefs can win a Super Bowl. Man, look, I, that team has it all except for they've Eric had Barry. it all before. He had it all in Philly. I mean, he so he. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Philly, he had a team. He had Trotter. He had Westbrook. He had had everything. He had everything he wanted, and they just couldn't get there. And they made it to the Super Bowl one time. T.O. almost got him in. Yeah. T.O. almost got him in. He tried. He tried. Somebody had to throw up. But the Chiefs have it all when you talk about Hunt and even a little depth with West and Spencer. Uh, Houston on defense. That, I mean, Kelsey, yeah. You, you, Travis Kelsey, you have uh, uh, Houston uh, and a number of guys. You got Peters. I mean, that that's a whole package that you have some playmakers. Even the, the little guys, Conley and Wilson are doing things. Well, Wilson is the little guy. I'm making some plays. So that's my team. That was my Super Bowl pick, and I'm still rolling with them. So when did you make this, Soup? Did you go to Vegas and bet $100 no, or no, what? No, but I did it. I put it on public record. You have to go back and listen to the podcast. Yeah. 
Okay, that, that, I, 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 I that, will do yeah. that, especially if they keep winning, because I don't want you to keep keep uh I'm gonna keep, keep rattling that sword all the way to the end. And, and, um, and they you, were my dark horse, and you didn't say it until the end of September. You know, they were my dark horse <laughs> last year, and I, I think they'll get there this year. Derek Carr or Sam Bradford, both of them are hurt. It's a little bit more unclear the extent of Sam Bradford's knee injury, and he's listed Sam now Bradford hurt his knee running up, up the concourse getting a hot dog. I mean, this guy, he just gets hurt, and you don't even, it's not even during the game. It's like Sam Bradford's just, a, I mean, he's just a great guy on the field. I'm sure you'd love to go play golf with him, but I just can't have him as a starting Boy, quarterback. but didn't he have a week two man to remember? A week one to remember actually. Yeah. I mean, uh, what was it, one or two? Which one? Yeah. yeah I, mean, I was at that game. I mean, phenomenal uh, it was terrible defense on the Saints part. Well, I, mean, I wouldn't call it phenomenal the performance. But he yeah. was he he got off and those receivers digs and Thielen. I mean, and then you had Dalvin Cook. So uh, who are you going with, Carr or Bradford? Oh, I, I definitely, Bradford. I definitely take Carr. And then, then you have uh, Dalvin Cook, who's hurt now in Minnesota. Yeah. He was a difference maker. But I mean, you just, have Latavius Murray to replace him. So nah, he's not Dalvin Cook. No, he, he's not. But yeah. he's a serviceable NFL back. Right. Um, Fantasy league flyer. That's what he is. So you're going Derek Carr. <laughs> I think I will go Derek Carr as well. And finally, in Major League Baseball. The number one seeded American League Cleveland Indians, who finished the season 102 and 60, or the number two seed in the National League, the Cubs at 92 and 70. Which one is most likely to return or win the World Series? Can the Cubs repeat? Are you confident in them, or are you more confident in the Cleveland Indians? I think you have to go with the hot team. I'm more confident with Cleveland. I mean, they've they've done it and they've gotten hot at the right time. I mean, they but just they have a tougher road. Well, I don't know. Who not has really. A but they well by Cleveland, the, the big thing in the AL is whoever got the number one seed. I think is it's clear that Boston, Cleveland, and Astros are probably the top three teams. The Yankees yeah. are super inconsistent. They and they yeah they play tonight. So and well. For the Yankees to win, they would have to probably win a game five and a game seven because they're gonna have a couple bad games within there. But they can you know do it in the end. But the biggest thing with Cleveland is that they don't have to play Boston and the Astros. You only have to play, play the winner. Yeah. And that's what I was really hoping the Astros could have got that first seed to then let Boston and Cleveland fight it out. But, I mean, Cleveland, if they're hot, I mean, you're talking about they have great bats, great defense, and great pitching. So, I mean, they, they have everything you want to get back to the World Series and win it. And it's kind of like they, they were right there last year. So, I mean, they're, they're the team that you would think – can get it over the hump. And, and you have to root for the Indians. I mean, other than the Cubs, they have the longest streak of not winning a World right. Series. So, I mean, well, although the Astros never won it. So, well, yeah, that. that's true, too. But, but, it, but it doesn't go as many years as Cleveland has gone. So, my heart is with the Astros, but I think Cleveland will go to the World Series. I think they have a better shot. I think that the Dodgers and Clayton Kershaw, who's not been consistent in the postseason, I think that he will have it together. And I think that. The Dodgers and the Indians will play in the World Series. I, the Dodgers, maybe. I, I guess they. I mean, they seem like they're the best team, but I just feel like they're going to trip up over themselves some kind of way. I don't. I don't know if they could put together two good series so to get World to the World Series. Uh, definitely Cleveland. I think you could pick one because I think if whoever's over there, I think Cleveland can beat any of them. But I wouldn't rule out the Cubs simply because. The, the experience factor. I, I just I don't have a lot of confidence in the Dodgers to win the big game well, when they well, need Kershaw to. Well, Kershaw in the postseason, right? I mean, yeah, he have to. He has to do it at least once to kind of get that that, get that the chip off, off the shoulder. Yeah. Maybe it'll go Steve Young on that to make sort of uh, 
examples there. Hey, with that, hey, want to thank you for joining us. Uh, how can folks reach you on social media? Uh, social media is real simple. It's E-Rob50, R-E-O-B, E-R-O-B-5-0 on Instagram and Twitter. Hey, man, want to thank you as always. Certainly appreciate your time. With that, going to take a time out, come back in the second half of the show, talk to Moist Kapenda Bauer. We'll get more into Major League Baseball. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, and SoundCloud. of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. And as promised, right now I'm going to talk some Major League Baseball with M.K. Bauer of the Sports Exchange. Good afternoon, M.K. How are you? I'm fantastic, Devin. How are you? Good. You know, I never get a chance to talk to you as much as I want to and, and really talk baseball. Uh, obviously, based in Texas, it's it's football and spring football. But, man, you cannot <laughs> ignore you can't ignore what's going on uh, with Major League Baseball. And I want to break down the postseason. But first and foremost, the season ended on Sunday. What did the casual fan miss? What did we miss? Uh, well, if it was the, from a local perspective, just how good the Astros were offensively. It's interesting when you look back to the, the additions they made to the roster in the offseason with Brian McCann, with Carlos Beltran, with Josh Reddick. Thinking about these guys being veterans and adding left-handed presences to the lineup really became a lot more than that. And, and as good as they were last year offensively, they've become otherworldly this year. And I think the thing that kind of strikes people is how good they've been um, swinging the bat. So as you go into the postseason, you look at far and away the best offense in the majors. The team that let the majors and run scored, the team that led the majors in all those class categories, batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging, a team that outperformed even expectations coming into the season by a wide margin in terms of contact rate, striking out fewer than any team in the, in the majors, home runs, the second most in the majors. They've been outstanding offensively. So I think if, if you haven't really been paying attention and you're trying to catch up right now in terms of what's going on, that's the number one thing about the Astros. They've been so good offensively. Well, let's talk about baseball in a broader sense uh, because we have listeners from all over the country. Now, I mean, I know baseball anticipated a big bounce with the Cubs winning the World Series, and it's been a phenomenal year with Aaron Judge, with the with the Dodgers, uh, with the, the whole storyline of what's going on with the Cubs. Can they bounce back? Can they do it again? A sort of review just in general what we saw and what, what you noticed about the game of baseball in 2017. Well, clearly the summer story was the number of home runs hit the season, breaking the major league record by far. Um, I think anybody who got a little bit worried about the way the Cubs were performing the first five months of the season has backed it up a little bit by how well they played down the stretch and still winning the division, still being formidable going into the postseason. Well, the thing with the Cubs' structure is interesting is that they haven't been as good offensively this year, but they're still decent in terms of the starting pitching. Their bullpen has been excellent, and their defense is excellent. And I think that the configuration of that team when you think about what they accomplished last year and where they are right now, they know how to, quote-unquote, hit a switch and get themselves going. But the bigger point, 
I think the National League postseason is going to be really, really competitive. When you talk about the Dodgers getting off to that extraordinary start, winning 104 games, when you talk about the Nationals being healthy, and in my opinion, really having the best team top to bottom in the National League, I think the Cubs are going to run into some resistance there that wasn't quite as good last year, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they didn't get out. But I think ultimately the overarching story this year was home runs. You mentioned Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton hitting 59 this season. You know, teams having extraordinary depth of power from top to bottom in their lineup is the one that really struck everybody this season in terms of is the ball juice, what's going on, why are players hitting home runs at this rate. Yeah, and, and you know, and you follow that story, and sometimes it takes for those of us who've been around the game for a long time. It takes away some of the nuance, some of the hidden runs, some of the strategy. Some, you know, and we talked about this before. Like the bigger ballparks gave made for more excitement and really opened up the game to your your faster, more athletic guys. You didn't just have to wait around for the long ball. I think it's more of a balance these days than it was at, at one time post McGuire and Sosa. Uh, what do you? Uh, what's your assessment of uh, all the home runs in the 2017 season? I think, by and large, the game is getting away from stolen bases, and I think you still see teams hit and run. You still see teams take pride in taking the extra base on um, going first to third or first to home when opportunity presents itself. That's still going to be a critical part and integral to the game. But I think the game has shifted to an extent to where guys are just more powerful. Period. You have shortstops hitting 30 home runs. You have second baseman you know, hitting 20-plus home runs. So I think the days of the little scat-back guys, you know, giving 50 and 60 stolen bases, those are gone for good. And even when you look now, I think with Merrifield, look, the American League in stolen bases this year for the Royals with 34. Wow. You're not seeing guys, you know, explode on the bases anymore because I think they understand the inefficiency of giving away out the base pass. It's not really worth what you're trying to do offensively in terms of generating runs. And, and, and bolstering your offensive attack. So those days are gone. I think by and large, guys are just bigger, stronger, faster, and that's why you're seeing the, the explosion of home run. And maybe some nefarious things going on as well. Well, yeah, I think uh, that's safe to to imply. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the postseason now. Again, we talked about you talked about the Dodgers. The Dodgers look like I mean they were like transformative as far as like this era for long stretches of the season, and then, and then they hit this bump and they went on a skid for a while. Talk sort of review the the Dodgers season uh, for us a little bit. Yeah, I think it's you know you go forty three and seven during one fifty game stretch of the season. And you're so far ahead of the pack, it's difficult to maintain concentration. And I wouldn't be too concerned about that particular stretch of play when they went 1-16 and, and kind of came back to the pack a little bit, almost like Cleveland catch them when they ended one twenty-two games in a row. But I think really it's about like how long the season is, how well they had played for so long, and really just been unable to maintain the sort of intensity it takes to win 116 games. So I think they were really on pace to win between 115 and 120, which is obviously outlandish, that's record-setting. And it's just tough to do that. I think they're still a really, really quality team. When you think about them trading for you, Darvish, to have them back up, playing Kirchhoff on a rotation, when you talk about Kelly Jansen as one of the best closers in the National League, if not the best, I think it's pretty clear to see that they're a team to beat in the National League. And I wouldn't be too concerned about how poorly they played in August and September because it really doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. I don't think it made them vulnerable. It just means that that was a team that really kind of lost a little bit of the focus in a long-haul regular season. Now, what you talk about, Clay Kershaw, and what four and seven in the postseason career-wise, never been able to really display the kind of dominance that he has during the regular season. Is has he gotten over that hump? What is the, what's the issue there? What talk a little bit about him in the postseason? I don't know if you can ever really put your finger on. I think to an extent, before 
Nashville last year when he had really a, a good couple spots here and there against the Nationals, he's probably been a victim of putting too much pressure on himself because I think he recognized, A, the starting rotation isn't all that deep. B, our bullpen has been terrible, so I have to pitch seven, eight innings every game in the postseason, which is extraordinarily, extraordinarily difficult because you're facing the best offenses in your league. I think he's been a victim of setting the bar of expectation too high for himself and being unable to live up to it. I think this year, with Darvish on the roster, with their depth offensively, with a better bullpen, even though not an extraordinary one, he should be able to alleviate some of that pressure. Just go out there and do his job. If you give him six innings, you give him six innings, and let your team do the rest of their work. I think that's always kind of been a disconnect from him, but clearly we don't know. Like It's difficult to put your finger on why a guy could be as good of, as any pitcher has been in this generation in the regular season and has struggled as much as he has as you reference in the postseason. It's something that he has to personally get over and deal with, and we'll see if it happens this postseason. Well, on the uh, on the American League side of things, the Indians are the team that, that I think can I think they can return. You talk about Corey Kluber, uh, eighteen wins on the season, uh, and again, it's been a while since they played the Astros, but they have seemed to have the Astros number. I know they have work to do before they get there, uh, but talk a little bit about uh, Cleveland and the possibility of them returning to the World Series. And I think they're the baseball right now, and I would not be surprised at all if they won the World Series. Look, they led three games to one in the World Series last year against the Cubs, missing two of their starters. I think now when you look at Kluber, when you look at Carlos Carrasco, when you look at, at, at um, Trevor Bauer, they led the, the, the league in war for starting pitching, and they finished second in the league in war for the bullpen. There is no weakness on their pitching staff, and their offense is pretty good enough to supplement their pitching and carry that team all the way to the title. I would be surprised. I mean, great, it's a postseason. Anything can happen. But when you look at how that team is constructed, when you look at what they accomplished last season, even being hamstrung with their pitching staff, they're the team to beat. As good as the Dodgers have been, the Indians won 22 games in a row and put themselves in a position to be as good as the Dodgers with the regular season record. And I think the depth of pitching and the quality of their lineup makes them, and really as good as they are defensively, it makes them a team to beat in baseball. Now, the Astros, uh, they, they open up with the Boston Red Sox. And now adding Justin Verlander, what has that done? Obviously, he's been 5-0 and with the Astros since he's gotten here. What does he give the Astros in addition uh, to just a quality pitching? What does he do, do uh, for that clubhouse in the postseason? He's a guy with things on the wall. He's a guy who's pitched in the World Series before. He's a guy who's been in the postseason multiple times before. He's a guy who's won an MVP and a Cy Young Award. He's been one of the best right-handers of this generation. I think when you look at all that he's accomplished, and then you come here and do that for this particular squad, going 5 and with the 1.06 year, right, with all the strikeouts, with the few number of walks, he's proven. And when you have a team as good as the Astros, the only thing they were missing is a guy who's done it before and who's proven on that staff. And now you can bump Dallas Cackle, Cackle back to number two in the rotation against um, the Red Sox in the series. You have a hammer in Verlander in game one. If it goes five, you can go back to Verlander again. If having a power pitcher who's done it before means so much for a team that was missing just a little bit of oomph to get them over the edge, and I think he provides them that. Well, now it's time for it's prediction time for you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the the opening. Well, I mean, obviously you have one more wild card game tonight, but uh, who do you have going to the ALCS and the NLCS, and then who do you have going to the World Series, and who's going to win it all? Uh, I'll, I'll go backwards for you. I think Cleveland beats Washington in the World Series. I just think that depth of pitching is too good to be stopped this postseason, and I'm picking Washington to win the, the National League pennant. Because I think the same kind of rule pops for them. When you look about, when you talk about Max Scherzer, 
uh, Steven Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez. A revamped bullpen has been very good in the second half with Sean Doolittle and Brandon Kinsler and Ron Matson. They were awful as a bullpen in the first half of the season. They acquired all three of those guys. Those three guys have been fantastic for them down the stretch. And their offense, if Bryce Harper is healthy, is as good as any offense in the National League with Harper, with Anthony Rendon, with uh, Ryan Zimmerman, Daniel Murphy, um, Trey Turner. They have a lot of weapons offensively. I think the depth overall of their team is such that they're going to be very difficult to beat if everybody's healthy and moving in the right direction. That's why I'm picking the Nationals. Look, Devin, I would not be surprised at all if Arizona wins the wild card game and then beats the Dodgers in the um, in the ALDS. I, I just think that's a bad matchup for, for L.A. when you think about the depth of the Diamondbacks pitching. And when you think about the fact that the Diamondbacks won a season series against the Dodgers this season, that's a matchup that really doesn't favor L.A. as much as many people would assume. I'm not saying that the Diamondbacks would sweep them, but I would not be surprised at all if it goes five games and then the Diamondbacks win that series. So I think in the AL, I think it's going to be Cleveland and Houston. Those have been the two best teams all season. I think those are the two best teams right now. I think it's Houston's offense against Cleveland's pitching. I think Cleveland has played very well against Houston this season, winning five or six. And I think that puts them in position again because their pitching depth is so extraordinary to kind of suppress those Astros bats and won the American League pennant. So I'm looking at Cleveland and Washington in the World Series and the, and the Indians winning the first title in a long, long time. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna roll with the Dodgers. They were, like you said, that stretch where they went 43 and seven. I think they can uh, get to the World Series. I, and I, like you, I think the Cleveland Indians will win it all. I just think uh, that. I mean, for them to bounce back the way they have after such a crushing defeat in the World Series, and granted, it's a long season and a couple guys were missing and all of those things. But just to get right back there is not as easy. Uh, as it would seem, like it is in other sports. It's a very difficult thing in baseball. Uh, really sort of evidence of that is, I mean, look at the turnaround of the Minnesota Twins who ended their season last night. But, what I mean, just a horrible season last year and turn around and uh, make it to the playoffs. What a remarkable turnaround for the Twins. Yeah, I think we have an influx of young talent. It helps. I think look, the same thing kind of applies to the Yankees. You know, they traded away all the Chapman last year and made some other trades that brought some young guys in. And you look at the core of their team, there are a lot of young players. There's Stone Castro, still a young player. Obviously, Aaron Judge, you know, Gary Sanchez, Gary Sanchez. They have a lot of really young players who are very talented. And I think it's not about them right now, as good as they've been this season. It's about them moving forward. Look, they've been a second in baseball and run differential to the Indians. So the Yankees are really, really good. But I think when you kind of take the structure of their entire team, even though Luis Severino struggled last night at their ace, they have a lot of key components in place who are all under 26, 27 years old that bears out a, a future that's going to be very positive for the Yankees. And I think that's what makes them an intriguing team. But I think ultimately, to your point, Cleveland has accomplished a lot based on the, the, the destruction of last season, losing the way they did, and to kind of come back, have all their pieces in place, be healthy for a key stretch of the season down the stretch. And you look at the roster, I just don't see very many weaknesses. It's not a great offense. It's a good offense. But their pitching staff is so very good. I think it's going to be good enough to get the job done. And you know, as I recall, you when you started to talk about the Yankees, I think in the in the podcast in the spring, I think you put, talked about watch out for the Yankees because although they're young, this could be a team to watch. So I want to I want to pat you on the back because I'm almost certain you you really spoke up uh, and talked up the the New York Yankees uh, even with their youth. You talked about the potential for success that they would have uh, this year, and it came to fruition. And now they have, they have the best bullpen in baseball. They, they've made the additions in getting Robertson back, uh, in Tangley, you know, with Batman, Batantis. Their bullpen is outstanding. And we all know, we've kind of come to realize the last couple of years, 
that because the games are spaced out more in the postseason, if you have a strong bullpen, you can get some things done. That's why the Warriors won a few years ago. That's really to an extent why the Cubs were so successful last year. Their starting pitching wasn't great. Their bullpen has been fantastic. And I think that same applies to the Yankees. Their starting pitching is good enough with um, Cesar Sabathia and Severino and Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, they're good enough. Sonny Gray, obviously, getting in from Oakland. But their bullpen is so very strong that if you can get them in situations where they can get a lead, even a tenuous one, you know they can lock down games. And again, their youth on offense is what's going to hold them steady as well. Playing at a ballpark like that, we hit a lot of home runs. I think they're going to give Cleveland something. I just don't think they have enough to outlast Cleveland if I can see it. Hey, well, I want to thank you, and I want you to tell folks how they can reach out and uh, get in touch with you or follow some of your work, uh, see you, read you, hear you, give them some information. Well, typically what, what goes on with the sports exchange, it's a wire service. You'll see a lot of my work on ESPN and other larger websites like that. But by and large, if you want to follow along, I'm on Twitter at Moisekapenda, M-O-I-S-E-K-A-P-E-N-D-A. That's where a lot of the dialogue goes on in terms of what we're discussing in sports and things beyond that. I want to thank you, and I, I, we have to have these conversations uh, during the baseball season because, you know, I get this thing, like a lot of folks, as, as you get to postseason baseball, which is just remarkable because, you know, the game changes on every pitch. The tension is there from the very first pitch. Uh, it's, it, you get excited about baseball, and then it's, it's over, and you say, man, I wish I would have spent more of my summer days just uh, watching baseball. But uh, we'll have to visit more frequently uh, next baseball season. But I certainly want to thank you for joining us uh, inside of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Thank you. Hey, man, thanks a lot. That was M.K. Bauer of the Sports Exchange, and that will do it for another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. But before I let go, before I let go, before I let go, I want to thank you guys from all over the country for tuning in. I want to thank the folks in Virginia. Virginia, the state of Virginia is represented uh, really well lately. Also, Alabama, folks all over the state of Alabama and the state of Michigan. So uh, if you guys subscribe and comment, we will try to read those comments. In addition to that, I will, um, I'm going to find a way, and we'll, we'll talk about that, and I know I've promised this before, but it's coming. We will find a way to get you guys some Sports Talk with Devin Wade swag or a coffee mug or a shot glass. Uh, but just make sure you comment, subscribe, tell your friends. I want to thank you guys because we're growing and by leaps and bounds, by word of mouth, and I know it's hard to carve out our space with uh, thousands and thousands of podcasts out there, but you guys have found us, and we certainly appreciate that. want to remind you, you can uh, follow me on Twitter at Wade's Word, and on Instagram, Sports Talk with D. Wade, and the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook. And as always, have a great day.